Father, we thank you right now for the power of the Holy Spirit that opens up our ears to hear as they learn, that opens up my mouth so that I can speak as with the tongue of the learned, as an oracle of God, and that your word will prosper in the hearts and in the lives of your people in the name of Jesus. It goes forth unhindered. Every work of the enemy is bound in Jesus' name. Every distraction is severed off us by the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And Father, I thank you that the power of the Holy Ghost, the release of the kingdom of God, the release of ministering spirits, Father God, all is coming together so that we are able to hear and receive your word and you are able to, to bring fulfillment and accomplish all that you desire in our hearts and in our lives and over this or every online platform in the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you thanks, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord God is a sun and shale. The Lord will give grace and glory. There is no good thing that he will withhold from them that walk uprightly. There is nothing that he will withhold from them that will walk correctly in the gospel. Nothing will he withhold from them that will walk upright in the reality of what Jesus has finished by his sacrifice. God says, I will watch over it and perform it. Amen. Now, this morning, I want to share a message. Um, it's a message. It's a lesson. But I also am believing God for it to become an experience for you. How to live in prayer communion with God. How to live in prayer communion with God. Prayer, a communion realm, that communion realm. Now this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about prayer, but I don't want to speak about it from a perspective, of a, from a religious perspective. But I want to, to, to communicate it and for you and for it to be from an experiential perspective. What do I mean by that? You see, prayer is not to be a doctrine or a teaching as such, but it is to be an experience that you and I have with God Almighty, your Heavenly Father, an experience that we have with God. Prayer is to be an experience, a, a participation, if you will, with the very Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Ghost, an experience and participation in the very life of God, a participation in the Trinity, in a participation in the Holy Ghost. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now hear me for a moment. But as I'm talking about a participation in the life of God, like I don't want this to, to, this to be a letter type message, but you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. The letter kill it, but the spirit give it life. The scripture says in 1 John 4, 17, that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. It says in another place that Jesus is the head. We are his body. We are the church his body, the fullness of him. We are the fullness of him. Now, if we are the fullness of him, 
and we have his life Christ is in us the hope of glory and the scripture says we are the fullness of him and the scriptures cannot lie the scriptures and the covenant cannot be broken and he says we are the fullness of him then if we had less life than Christ himself has it could not we could not be called the fullness of him amen but the scripture says that of his fullness we have received grace for grace. So there is that very life of God that is in us. And we are in, intermingled and that life is in us. So prayer is a communication. It is a, it is a fellowship. It is a participation with God, with the Trinity, and with the very life of God. Let me give you a bit of a definition of prayer, so to speak. Prayer is this communication realm of hearing God. It's supposed to be not, not a monologue, but a dialogue. Yes, it involves words. Sometimes it involves just knowing and capturing God's thoughts and having that, a responsive life to God's initiative, to what God is initiating, to what God is saying, for what God is speaking, for what God is witnessing by his spirit. It is an interaction with the very life of God and functioning in the life. This prayer realm, this prayer arena, it is this intermingling, this participation with God and with his life so that we can capture his thoughts and that we can respond. Amen? And that is, this might be not just, not just something we do when we go into the closet, but where it is a lifestyle. It, 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 is, it, is, it is how we live. It is a fellowship, it is a communion, a common union with God. A place wherein you are looking intently for his instructions. You are paying attention. You know, it's like you're plugged in, you're tuned in. Even when you're doing the dishes, you're living in this consciousness, this awareness of his indwelling presence. It is a communication realm with God that you and I are to live in and that you are to function in continually. Say continually. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It needs to be a continuum. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Praying always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus spoke a parable that men ought always to pray. Now if we're talking about this always praying, praying without ceasing, it can't simply be when we go into the closet and we say, Father, our oh, Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's got to be more than that. This has got to be a lifestyle. This has got to be something you're doing all the time. Well, how can you be living in this, praying always, doing this all the time, when you got other things to do in the natural realm? Amen? When you got a shower. Oh, you think that you can't talk to God when you're showering? You got to have on some kind of clothing and some kind of big hat. And, and I'm not, I'm trying to pull it into arena in that this here is reality. This here is a, this here is an experience. We live here. Say, I live here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Jesus said, spoke apart, but he says, men ought always to pray. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. The early apostles, 
they said that they will devote themselves continually and steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the word, to this ministry of prayer. Now, God is and God has invited us to this ministry of prayer. He has invited us to be to this lifestyle of prayer and communion, fellowship with him continually. And take it personally. It is us as a church, but it is you. First Peter 4 verse 7 says, the, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul, through, through the Apostle Peter said, be sober and watch unto prayer. Keep a sound mind and be alert for the practice of prayer. Well, you know, people practice medicine. What is your practice? I have a, I have a, I'm a lawyer. I have a, a, a medical practice. Meaning what? That's your business. That's what you do. That's your employment. Well, here it says that we are to be alert for the practice of prayer. In other words, prayer is like a business. Prayer is like an employment. Prayer is, is part of the definition of who we are. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Pray without ceasing. Is to live in this continuous conscious awareness of this continual and, and this continual acknowledgement. This continual acknowledgement of God's indwelling presence and honoring him and, and, and having a reverential life before him and staying in that con and staying connected with him when all the time i don't know why i would think about it even when you're doing dishes maybe dishes is on somebody's mind <laughs> and i'm picking it up did you leave a bunch of dishes in the sink and you didn't wash it <laughs> but anyway the here is the point the point is it is this arena it is this consciousness so first question how do we access this realm of prayer this communion fellowship with God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Reading from verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 16. This is the covenant. We are in a new covenant in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the covenant which I, that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and I'm going to write them in their minds. Then he said, their sins and their lawlessness, their iniquities, their rebellion, their sins and their iniquities, God says, I will remember them no more. Now, if God said you will not remember them anymore, can he remember them? Will he remember them? No, he won't because he said so. And he lives by his word. Amen? Now, where there is remission of these, you see, your sins aren't just atoned and covered. They are remitted. They are removed. The blood of the Lord Jesus has wiped out the record of your sins. Completely wipe, wipe it out. Ob what is the word? Obliterate. Obliterate. Van vanished it completely, totally, so that there is no record of any sin or wrongdoing that you have ever had in the presence of God. Heaven has no record of any wrongdoing. Amen? 
So where there is remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. There is no more offering necessary or needed. It's done. It's finished. The blood has been taken into the throne room of God. And then verse 19 says, therefore, that being the case, you can enter boldly into the holy of holies. You can enter into the very throne room of God with boldness, with confidence. There is no record of sin, so there is no sense of sentence against you. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no insecurity. You are able to enter with boldness. You have access with boldness and confidence into the presence of the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heaven and earth, who is also your father, and you are able to do so. You have this access because of the blood. Say, so because of the blood of Christ. Amen. Now, you see, the word of God will only work for you. The word of God will only work for you, will only work for you, will only work for you when you have the right response to the word. If you do not respond to the word correctly, it will not work for you. The scripture says you've got access, you've got boldness by virtue of the blood of Christ. This blood has washed you. It has cleansed you. Your sins are remitted. God says, I have no record of your sin. If you don't believe that, if you don't apply faith to that, if you don't respond to that by saying, yes, I agree, I accept it, then that will not work for you and you will be still under the weight of guilt, condemnation and shame and feeling unworthy and undeserving and all of that stuff. Say, I got boldness. Say it with me. I got confidence because of that blood. To enter into the holiest, oh, into the presence of the Lord God Almighty, who wears light as a garment, who is perfectly pure, who is a, who is a fire from his loins up to his loins down, who is an absolute consuming fire, anything that has any tint of sin or uncleanness, if it got into his presence, it would absolutely fry and dissipate completely. But here you and I could come boldly. Because of the blood. Because he sees no fault in you. He sees no sin in you. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. It says, 22? No, 21, I'm sorry. It says that, that in his sight you are holy. You are without fault. You are without reproach. Why? Because of the blood. Say because of the blood. So you enter boldly through the blood of Jesus by a new and a living way. By a new and a living way, by a new and a living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So this blood declares remission. God says in Isaiah 43 and verse 26, that I have blotted out your sin for my own sake. God said, I wiped out your sin and I removed it, yes, for you, but for himself. Why? He loves you so much. He want to embrace you. He want to fellowship with you. He wants you to participate in his life and him in yours. He wants that oneness, that unity. But this is impossible. Given he who he is in his holiness and him being a consuming fire, if there is that sin present, but the blood has removed it. Are you with me? Why? So that we can have this fellowship with him. It was always the father's desire 
to have this intimacy. And now it's available to him. It's available to him. But yet, it still depends on you. He wants you to step into it. But he has always desired it. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 says, What is man and the son of man that you, that you so desire him? What is man that you, he's always on your mind. What is man that you would visit him? And you could hear the angels say, you're not coming to visit us, but you're going to visit them. Why? What is man? Because he desire this intimacy, this fellowship, this communion. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 says, he longs for you. He longs for you. Now the opportunity is he can have his desire fulfilled. Are you going to let him? Are you going to cooperate? Are you going to believe the word? Are you going to enter through the blood into this intimate fellowship and communion with him? And come into this realm, this realm that is called prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be some legalistic thing. Now because of the blood, we now have fellowship with the entirety, with the entire Godhead. And God has, and has fellowship with us. 1 John 1, 3 the Apostle John writes, truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And we also have fellowship with God. Why? Because this blood cleanses us from all sin. You say, but I mess up. I mess up. What happens? I mean, God is absolutely, perfectly pure, spotless, holy. And I mean, and I have some wrong thought that is filthy, that is sin before him. How, what, what happens? If that is the case, man, we won't be able to abide for one minute. But here's what happened. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin continually, all the time. That blood is flowing, present, continuous. It's like having this stone, and this stone is full of dirt. But what do you do? Do you keep putting it in the bathtub and washing it constantly? No. Take it and put in it, put it underneath the top, put it underneath the waterfalls, where the water is. Can you imagine? Here you have the stone with dirt, and you put it underneath the Niagara Falls, where the water is flowing continually. Do you think that stone will be clean well the blood of Jesus cleanses us continually from all sin and if for some reason you have done some wicked violation and your conscience is affecting you what do you do first John 4 1 9 says deal with it confess your sin and he is faithful and just and to forgive you and to cleanse you from that consciousness of sin cleanse you from all unrighteousness so you could be restored and stand before him not having any consciousness of any wrongdoing or any separation because of the power and authority of the blood of the Lord Jesus you can live in this place of oneness fellowship sharing first Corinthians 6 verse 17 says they that are joined to the Lord are one spirit Jesus, Jesus speaking in Hebrews 2 verse 11 says, says, Father says, they, he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are one. That's Jesus and us. We are one. And as he is, so are we in this world. Colossians 2 verse 9 and 10. It says that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily. And then it says, you are complete in Christ. You lack nothing in him because Christ is in you. 
and the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ. So the fullness of the Godhead is in you, and you are complete. Now the scripture says the reason of, in Hebrews 10 verse 1 and 2, the reason the blood of the Lord Jesus was shed is because the blood of the bulls and goats that they did throughout the old covenant could never remove people from this sense of sin consciousness and separation. It could not solve that problem. But the blood of Jesus that was offered once forever and never to be done again, it accomplished that. It accomplished this power that can remove any consciousness of sin so that you could come before the Father holy. You can come before the Father not being conscious of any separation or sin, but being conscious of this oneness, being conscious of this fellowship, being conscious that you are holy, that you are pure, that you are without blame. Say the blood. Say it again. Hallelujah. So this, and then so it goes back, to, let me go back to Hebrews 10 verse 20, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter, the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, by a new and a living way. Entering through this blood is a new way and it is a living way. It is a life and it is a living way. It is the way in which you are to now live. Say now live. Which he consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. The Amplified says, by this fresh, new, and living way, which he initiated, initiated, and dedicated, and opened up for us through the, sep through the separating curtain, the veil of the holy of holies, that is through his flesh. Through his flesh. You see, in the Old Testament, they could not enter, the, the high could not enter into the holiest of holies. There was the outer court, there was the gates, there was, they entered the gates, there was the outer courts, but then there was the holiest of holies. Psalms 110 says you enter his gates with thanksgiving, you enter his courts with praise, but they could not enter into the holiest of holies. The high priest could only enter there once a year, and even then he had to go through a lot of very specific details. But here, what is this scripture saying? It is saying that because of the blood and because of Jesus' flesh that was torn. What am I talking about? On the day of, Pen on the day of, 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 of crucifixion, when Jesus said my, said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And when Jesus went on to say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. What happened? It says in the temple, the, the, there was a veil in the temple that kept people outside of the holiest of holies, that veil was torn, not from the bottom up, but from the top down, as if an invisible hand, the hand of God, or the angels of God, we don't know, ripped that veil from the top to the bottom. That was an indication, and that was a demonstration that now this veil that kept men on the outside of the holiest of holies was now torn, and now we can enter in into the very presence of the Lord God Almighty because we are not looking to the blood of bulls and goats, but we are looking to the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has now initiated a new way. He has, he has initiated it. He has brought this new and living way into existence. How did he do that? When he, when he ascended up for, for, from the grave 
and he ascended up on high. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, that how that he presented his blood through the spirit of God to the Father. We believe he went into heaven and he took that blood and he placed it on the mercy seat. And when he did that and that blood was placed there, what happened? From that moment, he initiated and he says, this is now it is, how it is from here on. They can now have access. They can now have boldness. They can now enter the holiest of holies because I have torn the veil. I have torn the veil with what I did in my very own body. The stripes on my back, all of the beating, all of that, I did it. And by what I did in my body, it was symbolic of that veil being torn. And I now initiate a new and a living way for you to come into the holiest of holies with absolute confidence and boldness, no shame or any other such thing. And I am now dedicating it and say, from here on, this is how it is. This is how you get in here. And the way has been made what? Open. Say open. You don't have to, like the high priest wants to hear, you can do this any minute in any day. Not only that, this is not only a new way dedicated to us, but this is a new and a living way. We are supposed to live here. We live here. Say, I live here. All right. We live in this realm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, so now, question. Can we still enter the gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise? Yes. We can enter his gates with thanksgiving and we can enter his courts with praise. Psalms 100, 100 verse 4. Yes, we can. But, say but, we can go further. We can go and enter into the holiest of holy by the blood of Jesus. You see, when you say, Father, Jesus says, up until now, you, 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 could, you never prayed in my name. But he says, from here on, you don't have to, to go to, you don't have to go, to, you don't have to ask me to pray for you. You can pray for yourself. He says, because I'm going to give you my name. And in my name, whatever you shall ask the Father, He'll give it to you. What is he saying? He says, now, in this new day, you now have my name. And the scripture says in, in, in John 20, verse 20, 31, that in his name is life. The life is in his name. Jesus is in his name. So when we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you know what happens? You have just applied that same blood. You have just applied, you have just applied the body that was stoned. Just by simply saying the name of Jesus puts you in the holiest of holies. Amen? So your prayer life is to be from a consciousness of where you are, who you are. It's not we are down here crying out up there. It's not we are there trying to bombard the gates of heaven to try to kick it down. You don't have to bombard the gates. They're open. The holiest of holies is open. Are you with me? So we go all the way into the holiest of holies, and we live here. When the veil was torn, on that occasion of, of, of Jesus' crucifixion, that was symbolic of his body being beaten, being bruised, being torn, and it was offered up as a sacrifice, the very Lamb of God, to make the way open for us to enter into the holiest, to enter into fellowship and intimacy and communion with God the Father. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says, Behold, beloved, 
Oh, just ponder on this. Just ponder. Behold, what manner of love that we might be called the sons of God. I heard a lyric in a song today, and it says, all creation calls you God. Think about it. Can you imagine? Buddha can't say that. No, I mean, you've, we've had some tyrants, some, some tyrants and, um, you know, Mussolini, Hitler, this. None of them that think that, that, that think they're God, Jim Jones, or none of them could say, creation, all of creation calls me holy. All of creation calls me God. He is God. But listen to this. All creation calls him God. But you and I call him Father. Father. Say Father. Say it again. Oh, behold what manner of love that we might be called the very sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We live in this place. You live here. You have been raised up here. While you were dead in your trespasses and sins, the scripture says he quickened you together with Christ, and he raised you up together with Christ and made you and I to sit together with Christ. Where? In heavenly places. At the Father's right hand. Colossians 3 verse 3. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Where? In God. Where? At the Father's right hand. Say, I live here. Remember when Jesus said in John 14 verse 2 and 3, he says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Well, he's already done it. He went and he prepared this place. And it is the new and living way. And now he has come and said, hey, come on, my children. Come on, my brethren. You can enter in. The way is open. And I've dedicated it. This is how you do it. You don't have to bawl and squall and go through a whole lot of rigmarole. Because here, I've got this place. I've done it. I've dedicated it. This is how you do it. Say, so this is how you do it. Amen. <laughs> this is the communion. This is our participation with the body and with the blood of Christ. When we speak about the body and the blood of Christ, we are talking about the sacrifice of Christ. We are talking about what Jesus did on the cross. We are talking about his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Now, when we have communion, it says, do this in remembrance of me. What he's saying, when you are partaking of this body and this blood... You are celebrating what the Lamb of God did. You are celebrating what Jesus did. You are celebrating that there is a new and a living way. And he says, when you take this cup and you take this bread and you are recognizing your common union and intimate participation, he says, when you do it, you do it in remembrance. You keep it in the forefront of your thinking. He is saying, when he said, keep it in, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, you know what he's saying? He says, don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget that this is what it's all about. Say, I live here. Now, how do you live here? You, you, you know we got in there through the blood and the veil of his flesh. How do you live here? How do you stay here 24 hours a day? How? How? The answer is this, by the application of the very means by which you got in. You got in through the blood, you got in through the body, you keep applying those things. Put it another way, by the application of the sacrifice of Christ. You enter in, into this realm of communion and fellowship with God by the blood and by the body of Christ. 
Well, you live in this, in this, in this realm by continually, the continual application of the blood and the body of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. You live in this communion realm by application of that sacrifice. Paul, Paul lived there. Paul knew how to live there. Paul is the one that gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, the, the unfolding. He said, oh, the Lord revealed to me that, uh, how, how, that, um, how he took bread and break it and how he took the cup and he blessed it. Paul says, that was revealed to me. He says, I never know Jesus after the flesh. Paul says, I didn't know Jesus walking the shores of Galilee. I wasn't there, but I know him after the spirit. I didn't know him as the man of Galilee. I didn't know him as Jesus of Nazareth, but I know him as the Lord and Savior. I know him as the one that is resurrected. I know him as the Lamb of God that has shed his blood. I know him as the one that has the keys of hell and death and of the grave. I know him who has got the most excellent name, that at that name every knee shall bow. I know that Jesus. That's the one I know. I know him after the Spirit. Hallelujah. And Paul said, I have had a part that I know. I have learned how to live in this place. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, he says, here is my identification. I die daily. Every day I reckon myself to be crucified with him. Every day I reckon myself that the old man has been buried. Every day, every moment I live in this reality that I have also been raised up together with him and I ascended with him and I'm seated in heavenly places in him and that is where I function. Every devil, every demon, they are underneath my feet. Paul says, I live here. Say, I live here. Second Corinthians 4 verse 10, Paul says, bearing about. Always bearing about in my body, this temple. Oh, this temple, I always bear about in this body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Always making that identification with every aspect of the sacrifice. Why? That the life of Christ himself would be made manifest in my body. And I'm telling you, when the life of Christ is made manifest in your body, the life of Christ is full of healing and all kinds of power. And one time they tried to, they stoned Paul. Remember that? They stoned Paul, dragged him out of tongue, stoned him, and they left him out of tongue for dead. They thought he had died, and perhaps he did die. We don't know. But what we do know is they left him out there, and after a while, Paul got up. Maybe the believers prayed for him or whatever, but Paul got up and he went back into town. What happened? That life, his spirit is life because of that union with Christ. And the power of God raised him up from the dead, pulled that healing power out of his spirit and brought him back to life. Brought him, lifted him up. Jesus says, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die, for I am the resurrection and I am the life. That life is in you and I. When we can learn to appropriate that life and cause that life to be released, Power flows, sickness leaves, ailments have no choice, but they have to leave. The same way darkness will vanish when the light goes on. Well, sickness and disease will leave when the life of Christ that is inside our spirit is made manifest. When we have communion, when we take communion and we celebrate that this is his body, this is his blood. I've got a common share in what he did. His life is now my life. I have an intimate fellowship and participation in all of this. The Bible says there is such power released. And according to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, because of that, we don't have to be weak. We don't have to be sickly. And we don't have to die early. 
Are you with me? Say, I believe this. I'm telling you, your spirit absolutely believes it. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. And it's not I that live. It is no Christ that liveth in me. And the life I live, it is the life of Christ. And I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2 verse 20. Hallelujah. Paul says, I live here. Say, I live here. <laughs> this thing consumed Paul. 2 Corinthians. No, not 2 Corinthians. Philippians. Chapter 3. Say, I live here. This is the new and living way. Listen to Paul for a moment. Verse 7. He says, One, those things that were gained to me, I counted all but loss. Indeed, I count all things, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For the full, exact, intimate knowledge and intimacy. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I suffer the loss of all things, and I count them all but rubbish. So that I might win Christ. And that I might be found in him, in him, in him, in him. That I might be found in him. When you come looking for me, that's where I am. That I might be found in him. Not having my own righteousness based on my own works and my own performance and my own goodness, but having the very righteousness of God in Christ because of the faith of Christ. Hallelujah. And because of that, because that is my pursuit, because that is my desire, because that is my passion, he says, this is this, here, here is how it is. He says, that I might know him. I want to be so intimately interwoven with him. I want to know him. I want to know the power that flows out of his resurrection. I want to have fellowship and an intimate participation and communion with his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering. So that even while I'm living in this physical body, that resurrection power will be so functional in me, I'll be here in this physical body, but I'll be living the resurrected life. Say, I, be, say I live here. Amen. This place of communion and fellowship with God is the place called rest. Say rest. The scripture says in Hebrews 4 verse 9, there remains a rest for the people of God. Jesus himself is your rest. Jesus himself is your Sabbath. You see, Sabbath is not just a day. Sabbath is a person. It's Christ. He is your Sabbath. And you live in him, he lives in you. Seven days a week, all the time. He said, you want this rest? He says, come on to me. All you who are burdened and heavily laden, come to me. I'll give you rest because I am rest. Learn of me. Get a hold of me. You're going to find rest for your souls. I am your rest. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, that look here, in the world, in religion, with all of those burdens and all of that turmoil, you're going to just have burdens. You're just going to have turmoil. You're going to have unease. But he says, in me, you're going to have peace. In me, you're going to have peace. Why? Because I have made the way by the blood and by the sacrifice of myself. I, by my sacrifice, have overcome the world. And I have put an end to the voice and the rule of religion and the traditions of men. For you have been purged, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of the Lamb from every dead work that you might serve the living God. In me, you're going to have peace. 
Isaiah 32, verse 17, as you abide in this righteousness, as you abide in this oneness, it says the effect of that righteousness is peace, it is quietness, and it is full assurance. Isaiah 32, verse 17, Isaiah 30, verse 15. Say abiding. So can you live in this place? Can you live in this place of rest? Can you live in this communion fellowship with God? This place called rest. This place where you cease from sweat, flesh. Where you cease from flesh and instead you are robed with the linen righteousness of God. Say no sweat. Say it with me. Come on. I need your help. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can do this. Can you live here? Yes, you can. Now, here are three requirements for you to live in this place. This place, this new and living way. Number one, you got to be confident and secure in the fellowship that you have with God. You are joined to God by the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9 verse 20. Christ, in, Christ is in you. He lives inside of you. And you are living inside of him. He's the vine. You are the branch. You are knit together. You are inseparable. Be secure in this fellowship. You are being sealed by the Holy Ghost after that you believe. You are sealed by the Holy Ghost. Now who is going to break the seal of God? Devil? Demons? No. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 27 to 13, it says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me. And no, no man can pluck them out of my hands. I've given unto them eternal life and no one can pluck them out of my hands. No one can pluck them out of my father's hands and he's greater than I am. And I am a father of one. You cannot be plucked out. Say, I'm secure. Let me show you how secure you are. This is the word of God. Romans chapter 8. Read it from verse 34. Glory. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ who has died. Furthermore, it is also Christ who has risen, who is even at the right hand of God. And also he makes intercession for us. Who shall separate you? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, problems, tests, trials, distress, persecution, accusations from people, whatever. Famine, nakedness, COVID, inflation, deflation, peril, sword. What shall separate us? For as it is written, for your sakes, we are killed all day long. We are counted as a sheep for the slaughter. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. They're not slaughtering us. He was already slaughtered for us. Yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us and sacrificed himself. And I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else you could think of shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What am I saying? You are in a fellowship with God, and you can be secure in it, but you've got to have that security in order to remain in that place of rest. You have been sealed by God. 
having received the Holy Spirit, God sealed you. God himself sealed you. You know, you, you know when you know, things go through assembly line and when they come out, I mean, there's some inspector that stamps a seal. What does that seal mean? It means that you are God approved. It means that you have God's authority. It means that you have God's protection. Say, I am sealed. Number two, in order to live in this space, you got to be confident and you got to know your position. You got to know you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You got to know that your life is hidden with Christ with God. That even though you're physically here on this earth with all kind of stuff wrong about you, that this is only my physical body. But my spirit, I am seated with him. And quite frankly, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It is not the physical location in heaven, but it is in that higher plane. Hallelujah. That realm of eternity. Number three, you got to know with absolute certainty that the devil, the enemy, is defeated and he's underneath your feet. You can be at rest when you know he's defeated. When you know your position, that you are above him. You are above situations. When you know you have this intimate fellowship. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Jesus took away from him the keys. The devil is defeated. And on top of that, Jesus says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. I've got the power. And he's given you and I the keys. He says, here are the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You've got the keys. I've given you my authority. I have given you my, I've delegated my authority to you in my name. Luke 10 verse 9, he says, all authority has been given unto you, both in heaven and on earth. He says, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. That means the devil and the kingdom of darkness. I've given you authority to tread upon, underneath your feet, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You got to know that. When you know that, you don't live in fear. When you know that, you can live in a place of rest. Oh, no matter what comes, I've got gospel shoes, and I'm ready. I'm ready. My feet are prepared to walk anywhere by the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, it is finished. Now, it is from this place. All of this message is to say there is an intimate, there is a communion, fellowship that you have with God, and this is the realm of prayer that you live in and you function from all the time. It is from this place that you pray. It is from this communion fellowship with God, this place of ascension, it is from this place that you rule over the circumstances. You see, many times we have situations and we try to deal with those situations on the level of the problem. But you see, here is the thing. It is their position that will change the condition. The condition might be sickness, might be pain, might be discomfort. But the position is where you are in Christ, above only. Your position is in the life of Christ. And it is from that position that you can change the condition. And quite frankly, you are mandated by God to do exactly that. That's why it talks about prayer changes things, because of where you function from. It is in this place that you hear. It is in this place that you see. In that fellowship communion, it is in this place where you know. It is from this place, it is in this place that you partner with God in prayer. 
Jesus ever lived to make intercession for us. He is a high priest, and we are kings and priests unto God. We are priests underneath his high priest ministry, and we have a co, we are co-workers, and we enter into his prayer ministry. Hallelujah. You see David, remember David? Got himself into trouble with, with who? Not Bathsheba. Yeah, it was Bathsheba. But do you know something? David was a king. David was a prophet. But David was not a priest. And there wasn't much he could do about his sin. He didn't remit to remit sins. That was not underneath his authority. But you and I, we are kings and priests unto God. But you are also a prophet. Jesus says, whatever sins you remit, they are remitted. John 20, verse 23. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. But he said it. As a priest, you've got this authority. You have the authority to the application of the blood. Hallelujah. What am I saying? It is in this place of fellowship and communion, this intimate fellowship and communion, it is from this place that you pray. You participate in the very ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ as high priest and intercessor. It is from this place that you execute the authority of Christ. This is where you bind the enemy from. This is where you function and you declare the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, this is why prayer changes things. Now, you and I are set up with God by God. God has set us up <laughs> by all of this to function where? In this realm of prayer. So that we can be the sharp, threshing instruments having teeth to bring in the harvest. So that we can be his instruments to make the devil Jesus' footstool. So that we can be, we can hear his voice, receive his instructions, and go execute his judgments. Hakashala Baba. We are say I'm set up. <laughs> now communion, we're gonna have a communion in just a few minutes. And communion is a celebration. It's a celebration of the reality of this common union that you and I have. Of this intimate participation in the life of Christ and in the life of God. Hallelujah. Let's, let's go ahead and serve the communion elements. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, no, I don't actually. And for those of you online, you can get your communion elements we want to partake together. And I'm believing God. God confirms his word with signs following. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. And we are going to settle it here on earth wherever you are. And this communion is an act of faith. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, you do show the Lord's debt till he comes. That word show, S-H-E-W, doesn't mean, okay, here it is. It means proclaim. It means announce. We are making an announcement. We have got an intimate participation and fellowship and share in everything Jesus did in his body and everything he did in his shed blood. Everything he did in his sacrifice, we are making that proclamation. Now let me share something else with you. Thank you very much. You see... The scripture says, and hear me, receive this. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 16 says, that where there is a testament, where there is a covenant, 
where there is a will, when there is a will, there must also of necessity be the debt of the testator. The one who makes the will has to die in order for anybody to receive from his estate. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Well, Jesus is the testator. So it says, if we have a testament for a testament is in force. It is active. It is valid. It can be acted upon. After men are dead. Amen? Because it, but it has no power while the testator liveth. So Jesus is the one who made this will. And Jesus died. So that his estate, everything that belongs to him, becomes available to you. Everything that belongs to him is now our inheritance. Now, I don't I, you know, I remember, I remember, um, you know, when my wife's parents died and there was some inheritance that needed to be divided up and stuff. But when someone dies and they have an inheritance and they have an estate, you need to provide proof of debt and that's all you need to provide so that, the, so that you can receive the inheritance, providing you're a legal heir. We, we are legal heirs. But you got to have proof of debt. You see, this that represents the body of Christ is proof of his debt. Many times there's a crime and they can't find the body. It's hard to prove that case. But when they could find the body, when they could find the corpse, and when they could find that body, and when they could get fingerprints, and when they could get the DNA from the blood, they can prove a debt took place. Well, we have got the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, this debt has taken place, and so now we can receive the inheritance. The inheritance of our healing. The inheritance of our deliverance. The inheritance of salvation and divine protection for our entire house. Glory to God. Say the inheritance is mine. That's the declaration. That's the proclamation. That is what you are declaring when you have communion. I have a common union, an intimate fellowship and participation in everything that Jesus did in his body, everything he did in his blood. When he stood upon that cross and he became a curse, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law, that the blessings are mine. You have been called to inherit the blessing. This cup of blessing which we bless, is this not the blood? Is this not the, 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 the blood of the new covenant? Is this not the blood of Christ? Well, you have obtained an inheritance. You have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance is yours. You are called to obtain the inheritance, the healing, the deliverance. Now let's receive. Now let's take this, take this, this bread and say, in the name of Jesus, I recognize Everything Jesus did in his body was done for me. So I receive my healing. 
I declare my deliverance. I even declare salvation for my entire house in the name of Jesus. I have an equal part and share in everything Jesus did. I'm one with him. I'm a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. Let's receive. And now, Lord, say, and now, Lord, as I receive this cup, the blessing, this new covenant in the blood of Christ, Father, I recognize I can live here. I have access into this fellowship, into this communion into this intimacy, into this realm of prayer. And so I receive this cup, and I recognize, and I recognize all of the inheritance is mine. All the inheritance Prosperity is mine. Is mine. Prosperity is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. And I thank you. And I thank you. I walk in this blood. I walk in this blood. I'm joined to you by this blood. I'm joined to you by this blood. And every promise. And every promise. Is certain to me. Is certain to me. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. It is mine. It is mine. Let's receive. Jesus. And Father, I thank you right now that your healing power is flowing. It is flowing everywhere. Everywhere across this platform. Yes, Lord. People are even going to listen to this after in another time frame. But there is no distance in time. There is no time in the realm of eternity. And in, that, and in the spirit, it's a forever now. And even then, that power is flowing. So people are hearing this and they're being healed. They're being delivered. They're being set free. The eyes of their understanding is opening them up. So there is realms of comprehension that is coming alive to them. There are places in the spirit that they are to walk in that they didn't know about, but now those realms are open. And they are able to walk in a higher place, a higher place of intimacy, a higher place of fellowship, a higher place of knowing you, a higher place of seeing as you see, a higher place of hearing, hearing the voice and recognizing the witness. For there are three that bear record in, in this in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But there is a word, the blood, and the spirit. And they agree and they harmonize in one. Yes. And the blood and the word and the spirit is testifying to our hearts right now. The truth, the truth, the truth, the truth of this fellowship, the truth of this oneness, the truth of this freedom, the truth of this position, the truth of this authority, and the truth of our divine healing and health and power in the yes. name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for every blood, Lord. That blood brought us out of the presence of darkness and strife into the kingdom of your love and light. Thank you for the redemption through Jesus the Son, where flows forgiveness. It costs him his blood. Amen. Worship the blood, Jesus.
stand and sing it again out of the presence declare your deliverance out of the presence of darkness and strife into the kingdom of his love and light there is redemption through jesus the son he flows forgiveness it calls him his blood we are his people hallelujah His people declare it. covered by his blood. Sabbath till he comes. Sounded by his 
make a big deal about the blood. We honor the blood.